This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome to the final inspection show on this beautiful, beautiful, I guess it's still May, yeah, May Day in uh, the month of May. And uh, we, of course, like to thank Great Lakes Dragway, the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure to get out to Great Lakes Dragway because they are open. And uh, of course, uh, last night they had racing and they're going to have more racing uh, this evening. It's a beautiful day. A little bit cool, but... Uh, you won't work up a sweat when you're walking around uh, the paddock area at Great Lakes Dragway, checking out all those beautiful cars and uh, maybe partaking in an adult beverage in their wonderful full-service bar that they have there and some of the great, fantastic food that you'll find at any racetrack in the upper Midwest. So make sure to get out to the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. We certainly appreciate their support. Also joining me on this day, it is the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Roloski. How are you doing, sir? Oh, living the dream, Steve. Perfect day outside. We've had great racing uh, this last week. So, you know, does it get any better? Like you said, perfect day to get down to Great Lakes or anywhere where there's cars going in circles. <laughs> Straight it certainly lines, is. And, quarter uh, miles or circles. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's... Things are starting to open up. We got uh, the racing season starting to kick in. It's it it's just the the, the spigot is just a, a little bit of a trickle coming out, but it's gonna continue you know continuously open up as we go along here, and hopefully everything will progress light uh, uh, well, and we don't won't have any more issues for the auto racing uh, for the auto racing fans that want to see it in person. We certainly have been seeing uh, enough of it on TV, though, this last week or so. Uh, have you been getting your full of NASCAR racing, Jeff? Oh, I love it. I love this schedule with, you know, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Thursday, uh, Sunday again coming up. So it's been fantastic. And uh, with the exception of Mother Nature hating NASCAR <laughs> and wanting to delay and postpone and everything like that, uh some of these uh, some of these races, it has been absolutely phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff going on, and it, you know, it, it's 
the racing the race is now coming at you so it's kind of hard to keep track because it rained out one they moved this year they were it's a very uh fluid schedule uh i guess you could call it especially with uh, the truck race and uh i guess the driver of the week has to be chase elliott you know uh just got you know he has the, the issue with kyle bush and since that point, uh, it's been coming up roses for uh, Chase Elliott, hasn't it? Yeah, it sure has. You know, maybe uh, flipping the bird is what he needed to uh, to get uh, going on the right track here. You know, he definitely had some uh, some bad luck, and uh, you know, an untimely caution uh, cost him basically the six hundred uh, caution that came out uh, due to his own teammate. So. You know, he, he definitely went through some bad luck times, and then, you know, he bounces back in the truck race and wins uh, wins the truck race over Kyle Busch. And, you know, that was a yeah, that was a phenomenal battle between the two when Busch was trying to chase him down uh, the last 10, 15 laps or so in, uh, in that one, and Chase holds on and gets that win, and then uh, turns around and... Uh, and wins uh, a couple days ago on Thursday in uh, in the Cup Series. So the uh, the siren has been uh, blazing loud and proud down there in Dawsonville. Yeah, it it, um, it was certainly you know getting getting the bounty, which um, was I, I I'm happy for it, you know, but it it. it it was a good race all, all through through throughout the field. I thought, um, and uh, I thought it was kind of cool seeing uh, uh, Elliott in that race. Uh, you know, if it's just Kyle Busch alone, alone, uh, you know, gunslinger. You know, everybody kind of you know, you know, complains under under their breath as as he just methodically goes through the field. Uh, but with uh, Chase Elliott, who was loaded for bear, was going after him. You have what happened at. You know, the week before, getting dumped, you, you know, you got some controversy there. Uh, I was, it was fantastic, and it was during, and, and we were able to enjoy it on a weeknight. I mean, it was a win-win for the, for the fans at NASCAR and for Chase Elliott. It sure was, and, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, the talk after the truck race besides, uh, you know, Chase bouncing back and, and getting the win, and then he would obviously win two days later again but uh you know it was Kyle Busch's reaction and and they did not show uh the his post race interview which was extremely short and had a couple uh couple words that needed to get bleeped and so I don't think they were able to edit it in time to get it on the air that night on the broadcast um you know but when you have Kyle Busch and what is so good about him for the sport of NASCAR is just his love of racing and his love of winning. And he had the broken part on his truck right at the start of the race, basically starts in the back. You know, he's behind the eight ball right at the drop of the green flag. And, um, you know, comes back to finish second, battles for the lead, almost catches up to Chase and then lost the handle, you know, the last five laps or so. And uh, I wasn't able to, uh, to to pass him for the win. But you see in the post-race interview, once they cleaned it up and they were able to air it, uh, and it was very short, but just how mad Kyle Busch was. And if you are a Kyle Busch fan, 
you know, that's got to be one of the main things you love about the guy. He hates to lose. And I, or, you know, I, I think he's one of those, he hates to lose more than he wants to win. And it, it's phenomenal. It's great for the sport. He finished second. In, a, in yes, a series he normally dominates uh, the last seven races before that that he entered in the truck series he won, but he finished a close second to to Chase Elliott and was still just furious about it. And I, it, it's phenomenal, and that's the kind of drive and determination I think that you want to see from from these drivers in NASCAR. You know, and if you go through, I mean, we, we just went through the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. That's been well documented how he hated to lose and how driven he was. And if you go through any any sports, you look at business, you know, the the most successful people are those who hate to lose. I don't care who, what your opinion, political opinion of Donald Trump is, but Donald Trump, when he does something, he does, you know, he does his best to succeed at it. He's always been one of these driven guys. We've seen that in business. We've seen that in, uh, in sports, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's somebody like Vince Lombardi, or we've seen, uh, players, you know, players who are, are motivated, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and, you know, the list goes on and on. And in auto racing, you look at guys like AJ Foyt, very, very poor, for, uh, you know, did not like to lose. And, uh, you know, guys like, you know, and we've seen the rivalries and how that, that, that bring, you know, that, that, that even, you know, brings it to the forefront. You look at what uh, the David Pearson, Richard Petty rivalry in the in the seventies and even the Bobby Allison, Richard Petty rivalry, you know, and, and, you know, these are guys that hated to lose. They were driven. They wanted to win. And I think the guy who most personifies that in auto racing today is Kyle Busch, and you need that, you know, because there's going to be guys, you know, you know, it's it's kind of like with Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon, uh, which which helped the NASCAR in 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 the in the in the in the 90s was that you were either on one side or the other, and with with Kyle Busch, you either love Kyle Busch or you hate him. You know, that's why you hear the boos and the cheers. You know, a lot of it's boos, but you got to respect him for his talent. So, yeah, it is interesting with Kyle Busch. Yeah, he was not happy. And, uh, I, you know, and the other thing, you know, with everything going on with, with riots and everything else, Jeff, have you heard more? I, I've never heard so much cussing on TV over the last two weeks. Is is this the next step for America with with the Michael Jordan documentary, which which I I guess you could do you can say the F word now on ESPN, I guess if if it's a documentary or how that how they do that. But I've heard more cussing over the last month uh, on on TV than. I've ever had before. Is this a new trend? Uh, I hope so, because, uh, <laughs> you know, every time that, that I, I talk on the radio, whether it's for 30 seconds or 30 minutes, you know, as soon as we go to commercial break, I, I'll sit there and give myself a high five and be like, well, you made it through that 10 minutes without swearing, because I, I tend to use a few of those words every now and then myself. So... You know, I definitely hope that uh, that it gets a little more lax. It uh, it's crazy. You know, ESPN is not the Disney Channel. Uh, Fox Sports One is not the Disney Channel. It's on pay cable. There's no reason why uh, 
at at ten, eleven o'clock at night when these races are done and these post race interviews are are airing, that uh, that you can't you know hear an occasional f bomb or you know something like that in uh, in these interviews. So you know, yeah, I think eventually it's going to happen. Um, you know, you'll see unedited movies on on Comedy Central every now and then where. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll have all the uh, all the words in there, and uh, so you know it, it's going to slowly you know get uh, it's going to slowly work its way there. But I think yeah, obviously we still got a long way to go. Yeah, and uh, let's just looking back at the truck race. Okay, Chase Elliott over Kyle Busch, uh, Zane Smith, uh, up and coming driver, finishing third. Uh, our show favorite, uh, Brett Moffitt, finished fourth over Sheldon Creed. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek was sixth. Uh, and then we got some Wisconsin drivers. Johnny Sauter coming home seventh. There's another guy who doesn't like losing or finishing second. Uh, seventh place finish, top ten. He's not happy about that, but that's how Johnny Sauter is. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And Ty Majeski, though, uh, good good top ten uh, finish for him. Was running up front, and you kind of see the progression as as his uh, as his career is moving forward, and hopefully that continues. So um, it's interesting, you know, with with everything, uh, you know, this is a twenty twenty has been an odd season. Looking at this box score, and uh, there's a couple of things I never thought I would see on a on a, for a sponsor or car name, whatever you want to call it. Ross, okay, we know about Ross Chastain. I think they pushed that a little bit too much about him being a watermelon farmer, but uh, he was sponsored by the Florida Watermelon Association in that race. I thought that was interesting. And then here's here's something I never thought I would see uh, in a NASCAR box score. Uh, nursing Home Heroes, uh, Corbin Forrester, the number seven truck. So I uh, never thought I'd see in you know, who, who who never thought thought we would see that of course we appreciate our, our healthcare workers and everything they're doing and of course all the nursing home people uh a very very uh un, uh very thankful thankless job it's a very tough job and uh we certainly appreciate all they do but i never thought i would see that on the side of a truck nursing home hero so uh chase elliott the winner at charlotte very entertaining race and then uh one again uh on when was that see i'm, I'm already was that thursday Right. Yeah, Thursday because of yeah. the rain out. It, right. uh, you know, for years uh, that you know me and you have been talking on this show, and you know we've said a hundred times how usually the most action in a weekend, whether it's a, a three series weekend with uh, the trucks and Xfinity and the big guys, is you know the most action usually takes place during the truck race. And I think what you're seeing with these shortened cup races during the week on the weeknights is that the sense of urgency is there from the drop of the green flag. And shortening these races, to me, has done more to raise the excitement of these uh, races that we have seen a lot more than what the stage racing was supposed to do. I think the shortened weeknight races has accomplished what stage racing was supposed to do and has a little bit, you know, accomplished, but it's not there yet. But, uh, the, you know, 300 miles when you're running half the distance of the 600 on the same track, uh, just a couple days later, I think that 
you know, it just the action is it's everything is ramped up, and the, the you know the your your uh, margin for error is basically gone because you you can't sit there. You know, obviously the trucks is is a completely different story. We, you know, I said it last week or the week before. Kyle Busch could start every truck race four laps down, and he'll still win. You can't do that in the Cup Series, and so I think that uh, you know, making the the races a lot shorter is a huge benefit to NASCAR. The fact that the Thursday night race at Charlotte, if you take out that rain delay, was two and a half hours long. That is perfect. That's an NBA game. That's shorter than a Major League Baseball game. That's shorter than an NFL game. You know, it it helps keep the attention span of these people that don't have the attention span like us old guys do. (laughs) It's certainly true. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. Steve Zotke along with the Polish Pipe on Jeff Orlowski talking NASCAR and a final inspection show. Uh, When we come back, we're going to bring Dennis Michelson into the mix and we're going to talk about uh, the upcoming race at Bristol and a name from the past I want to bring up. So that's coming up next on the final inspection show. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke along with Jeff Orlowski. And yes, it is Dennis Michelson joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome to the show, Dennis. There he is, Dennis. I hear you breathing, I think. Or is that Jeff? <laughs> Mr. Z, it's great to be here. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, enjoying just an unbelievable day. Uh, but you guys did get me away from one of the most important sports in America that has made its return. And no, I'm not talking about NASCAR. I'm talking about the American Professional Cornhole League tournaments going on out in las vegas uh you know the doubles competition uh you know just kind of see who's going to get all those four baggers who's going to air mail it in and you know who's going to have the advantage in the cornhole pro league this weekend they're playing with masks and nobody's allowed to touch their opponent's bags which i think is a good idea for any time so <laughs> Never, never touch a, another man's wallet or wife, as they say, or his bag. So there you or go. Or don't, don't touch my bags. That's that's my new motto. Yep. Yeah. So we got the supermarket. Do they have in uh, each one of those tournament uh, matches, uh, Dennis. Uh, how many what stages do they run? Oh no, no stages. They have not gone to the stage format. They're just uh, traditional cornhole playing to. Uh, to 21 so it's uh you know it's they they haven't messed up cornhole yet but uh, i'm sure if brian france ever gets to be the commissioner they'll figure it out yeah no green and white checkered flag in uh, the cornhole huh they are allowing uh, the guys to use their own bags they haven't gone to a common template bag either yet so that all these are great developments but uh you know i'm, I'm sure that you know enough people will whine about people winning by you know 21 to 2 
that they'll have to go and, and institute a, uh, a bag template rule and, you know, then it'll be the, the bean count rule and, you know, by then it'll, it'll all get out of hand, you know, it, it, as it always does in pro sports. <laughs> the, okay, you, you've totally derailed what I was going to ask Dennis, Jeff, but that's fine because, no, I, it is a point I wanted to ask. Uh, it's one of these things when you're during the race, you take notes, and, you, oh, yeah, I want to ask him about this. Um, the ratings dropped a bit for for uh, Thursday's race uh, at a .91 rating and 1.5 million viewers. And I just one of the things I said was very important for NASCAR when 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 they basically are able to showcase their sport to a wider audience. Uh, I said it was really important to put on a good show. I understand the competition cautions, but you had a situation on Thursday, Dennis, where you had an early caution, and then ten laps later there's another caution, and then you have a stage break. I understand why they did a competition caution. It kind of walk us through. I mean, it, is do we need these competition cautions when there's a, a yellow flag so close, or should they be more? I mean, you know, you you hear all the time. You know, these are the best of the best, or the professionals, this, that, and every. You know, I mean, do we need competition cautions? Do we need all these breaks? Is it slowing down the show? Are people un, you know turning awake because of this? Or talk to me, Dennis. Well, I, I think what we're learning is that you cannot oversaturate any sport, even when there's a lack of sports, because the ratings for the first few races, and especially for the weekend races, have been very good. Uh, I'm not so sure they've been as, as boffo great as a lot of people thought they were, but maybe we're learning because there's been talk about Wednesday or Thursday night races for years. Could you imagine how low the ratings would be if you were competing against NBA playoffs, if you were competing against NHL playoffs, if you're competing against baseball being back, you know, you're pulling a low number. That's, that's IndyCar numbers for a cup race. And yet you're, you're thinking, oh, man, we need more of this Wednesday and Thursday stuff. Maybe it's showing that the market isn't ready for it. And when it comes to these shorter races, because this is a 500 kilometer race not a 500 mile race so the the segments the stages were much shorter than they were for instance during the 600 when there were 100 lap features and a competition caution made a lot of sense maybe in this case with a lot of miles on that track and i know they've had weather and all that stuff in the interim but they've still had rubber on the track so i'm not so sure that 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 competition caution with such a much shorter time frame for the this stage anyway, I think that was overkill. And the more breaks in the action you have, the more you're going to have a chance to lose people. Well, I've always been kind of concerned about that. I I think you you look at when when you start worrying about the other sports too much, you're you're doing that to. A, to the detriment of your sport. I mean, what what brought NASCAR to such prominence in that was, was having that core sport of people who not everybody, you know, shock. This is shocking news to some people. You know, not everybody likes NFL football. 
not everybody likes baseball. Not everybody likes hockey. There is a there is a, a core amount of sports fans that are limited in what they like when it comes to sports, and a lot of those people enjoy auto racing, and a larger amount of you know like NASCAR. And I think when NASCAR started to chase, we've talked about this subject before. When they started to chase after the NFL uh, audience and started to when they had the big growth that they kind of lost that core audience and then when the when when the you know when when the newness of nascar kind of wore off and they saw such an erosion of of their fan base you know let's you know don't worry about the nfl to a certain point let's get that there's that core audience that loves nascar shouldn't they just be worried about that audience and just go about their business dennis yeah and in this case they should be watching how soccer markets their sport because soccer doesn't try to, you know, dazzle you with all kinds of, you know, highlights and make it seem like you're going to see 20 spectacular goals a game. They, they promote their sport as the beautiful game. You have to learn to love the the intricacies of the way soccer is played. They didn't try to become football with, you know, less blocking and tackling. I mean, it's they, it, the case of NASCAR, they believed that they could win the casual sports fan, the, the folks that only tune in. And, and I know it's going to be hard for people that, love NASCAR to believe this or love IndyCar racing to believe this, but there is a huge number of people who are sports fans or even just casual sports fans that will watch the Daytona 500 and the Indianapolis 500 because those are the classic events. Those are the big events, but they're not going to watch a 500 kilometer race from Charlotte in the middle of the week. They're not going to do it. They're not super big racing fans, but they'll tune in to the Daytona 500 or the Indianapolis 500, much like people who, through the rest of the year, could care less about football will tune in the Super Bowl because it's the big event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's the reality of where we are. And I think NASCAR worked so hard to try to appeal to a new generation of fans or to a non-racing fan that they forgot their core. Their core fans loved high horsepower and low downforce. They went to lower horsepower and more downforce. They went the opposite way in the name of pack racing and trying to make things close. And in doing so, they turned their back on their traditional fans who want to see that big gutsy pass and don't mind if somebody wins by seven seconds as a result of them having a fast car. They want to see that great move, that great pass. They don't want to see guys having to take 20 laps to try to finish a pass. They want to see the high horsepower, and now we don't have that. And that's one of the reasons why we've kind of had some blah racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway to the point that they felt obligated to use a gimmick like the Roval. Dennis, do you think that, uh, I, in my opinion, I think that NASCAR has done a phenomenal job 
since its return, not only in, you know, I, I think the, the use of the masks and stuff had kind of been overkill and, and stuff like that, but they've, they've done a phenomenal job of showcasing what, what they do, what it can be, and how sports can return being the first major sport, you know, back uh, after uh, this whole corona uh, exaggeration. Now, but I do think, and yes, you know, Steve talked about the uh, the numbers being down for uh, Thursday night's race. I think part of that had to do with the rain out and, you know, the fact that it was moved yeah. from uh, from Wednesday to Thursday. But I have a problem with Fox itself because Fox should be doing everything in its power. And, you know, FS1 has been around and all racing fans know it because that's where, you know, IndyCar has been and NASCAR has been. And, you, uh, you know, you've got to be a, a sports fanatic, but you know what channel that is. But if you're trying to draw the casual fans and increase, you know, your niche quote-unquote channel like FS1, why wouldn't uh, Fox, the the network, do everything they could and shuffle around their schedule to have all these races on the main network? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think it really comes down to economics at the end of the day. Um, they maybe they feel like they cannot afford to lose the the core listener or the cute core viewer on the network by including sports on there too often, unless it's the playoffs. You know, it's, they do the same thing with baseball during the season. And even early in the playoffs, when baseball's on Fox, it's usually on FS1. It's only for, you know, the game of the week or for later on in the playoffs that they they take up all the time on the network. So it, it's got to be a financial decision that they're making. Um, that's the only thing that I, I could understand because you also won't see FS1 broadcasting the Daytona 500 anytime soon. You know, they want it in, this, in front of as many eyeballs as they can, but even – the executives at Fox who are very supportive of auto racing, especially NASCAR, they understand that a Thursday night race is going to be blah to people who just saw a race over the weekend. The, the casual fan might tune in over the weekend when they're missing sports to watch a race, but I'm not so sure they're going to tune in during the week. And that's the big difference and probably why FS1 is being utilized and not the network. Well, you know, I definitely understand the economics, but to me, you know, if you sit there and you throw it on the big network, then every commercial break you run an ad for, you know, whatever show you, you want to promote that's on FS1. You can promote NASCAR Race Hub or whatever show they want to try to build and, and get more people watching weekly and daily uh, and following the latest, you know, news and notes out of NASCAR. So, you know, not only, you know, yes, they may take a hit, and I'm sure that the the ad space outside Daytona 500 for a NASCAR race on FS1, it, you know, is, is peanuts compared to, 
you know, buying ad space during American Idol or whatever junk they're showing on the regular uh, network. But uh, to me, it's just it, it would just make more sense because you're you're able to promote your much lesser known station and try to make bigger names out of the personalities that you're trying to push and the shows that you're trying to push. That I think it would be, you know, it would it would definitely lower the negative economic impact. But that maybe yeah, that's just me. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, but I'm going to defer to you on this because I've been spending all my time learning how to be an expert on pandemic diseases uh, instead of how to program a network. But I'll, I'll leave that one to you. But but I do think it's I, I do think you know it's it's all a thing where I think even Fox realizes that the person who's going to tune in for their usual Thursday night programming might go and and see what's on ABC or NBC or CBS and get hooked on that show and never come back rather than tolerating a NASCAR race for one Thursday night. Um, And maybe they don't think that their NASCAR fans will be, you know, cross-promoted into enjoying some of their other shows as well. They seem to run their sports and their entertainment so individual from each other um, you you rarely even see promotions for like regular shows on the football during football season, and you don't see a lot of promotion for a lot of football games, with the exception of the Super Bowl um, during the regular programs as well. It, they seem to run the two divisions very independent of each other. Yeah, it seems that way. I I don't understand it because when when I I was looking for the race because I set up the DVR, and I thought, well, it's a Sunday race. It should be on Fox. And I'm looking at at Fox. And I look and they're showing an old NFL game. I'm like, wait, wait, did they not update the schedule? What's going on here? And then I go to FS1. It's sitting there. So I mean, I could understand if they're if they're showcasing something they want to show. But to show an NFL game from two, three years ago and not show the cup race makes no sense to me. So, but what what do we know? We're just a couple, uh, you know, three bumpkins in flyover country. We're not in New York. So, um, <laughs> let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're gonna talk Ricky Ricky Stenhouse coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Back to the final inspection show, Steve Zaki, along with Polish pipe bomb Jeff Orlowski, and joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson. And Dennis, uh, Charlotte, we saw as kind of a surprise, and that has to be the 47 car, of course, the uh, JTG uh, Doherty racing car, uh, driven by Ricky Stenhouse, who's had pretty much a miserable. Uh, start of the season so far and of course you know Ricky of course is a you know is a restrictor plate you know guru kind of yeah, that's where he's got his two wins from and uh but he gets a fourth place finish 
and he said after the race, I just need to be more consistent, and I think that just kind of sums up his career, and that's probably one of the reasons why he's not at uh, Roush Racing, that and Wrecking Race Cars. Uh, Is this just an aberration, or is this something we might see more? Ricky Stenhouse, has has him and the 47 team kind of turned a corner? Well, firstly, thank you for having my theme music back, because nobody (laughs) is more disturbed in the radio business than me. So uh, I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, here's the thing about Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's an incredibly talented driver. And now while everybody starts snickering, let me explain that. He's also a very rambunctious driver. He comes from the world of sprint car racing where, you know, a 20-lap feature, that's that's what you're looking at. Maybe a 50-lap feature for a big race. You are not so supposed to be patient in that sport, and you're hanging it on the edge every single lap. That's the way you come up through the ranks. And even greater drivers in stock cars than Ricky Stenhouse Jr., a guy by the name of Jeff Gordon, was very rambunctious with his equipment early in his career. How rambunctious was Ricky Stenhouse Jr.? He was sat out of races at Roush back in the old Bush series and then came back to win a couple of championships. So the guy's got talent. He's always had talent. The one thing that this rule package with cutting the – cutting the speed from the cars, cutting the horsepower, top-end horsepower from these cars, and dumbing down the downforce where everybody's got the same amount of downforce. The rules are so similar that it's almost impossible to even cheat up a car to get an advantage now without getting caught. The the big deal is it, it makes the little teams be more competitive with the big teams. It's just the nature of the beast. You take away horsepower... And the little guys all of a sudden are not in as big of a disadvantage as they were. So that's why we're seeing the teams emerge that are kind of like those second-tier teams. And we're seeing guys that have a lot of talent but might be a little rambunctious, like Ricky Stenhouse Jr., all of a sudden having one of those races where they don't get themselves in trouble and they have a strong finish. I mean, look what Tyler Reddick's been able to do. Richard Childress Racing hasn't exactly been a top-notch team for the last few years, and yet he has consistently been able to be in the hunt. So the, the rule package is working. It is evening the playing field between the haves and the have-nots, and it's allowing guys that have talent to occasionally show it off. Well, going uh, going to Bristol uh, this Sunday, Dennis, you know, uh, Kevin Harvick has finished in the top ten in every single race this season. and uh, The last couple going back to last year, he's got quite a streak going. Give me a couple favorites and a long shot uh, that you're keeping your eye on at Bristol. Boy, that's Bristol is such a tough call because Bristol seems like Every race now is racing a little bit different depending on how effective that grip strip stuff that they've been putting down is. On the the years that it's been really done well and been effective, you've had some pretty crazy races with a little evening of the pack. On the years where 
they haven't quite got it right or the temperature hasn't been quite right to activate it. You've had a single-groove racetrack, and you've had the KG veteran guys that were always good at Bristol be good at Bristol. Um, and until further notice, just give me Kevin Harvick. You know, if I had to live and die with a guy that, you know, if, if he doesn't win, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, you know, ostracized from the herd the rest of my life. I'll take Kevin Harvick right now uh, because I know he's going to be in the hunt each and every week. The only thing I don't know is how is his pit crew going to screw up this week to cost him a race. But I'll take Harvick. As far as a long shot goes or a, a longer shot goes, give me Tyler Reddick. That kid is knocking on the door for getting a win. And all it's going to take is a little fluky thing with track position and get himself up front at the right time. And he'll be able to hold off the charge. And, of course, when it comes to short track racing, you also have to like your, your chances with a guy like Kyle Busch as well. I don't care what short track it is. Um, he just seems to get up on that wheel a little bit more. Um, and, you know, hasn't always had the best of luck at Bristol, but he'll certainly be fast. And I'll always pick a guy who will be fast. So those are my, my two favorites, which are, are very chalky in Kyle Busch and, and Kevin Harvick, Harvick being my top pick. And uh, as far as a long shot goes, though, give me Tyler Reddick. That kid is going to get a win before this season is out. We're talking with Dennis Michelson on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Dennis, what is the latest in your world of media? Well, having a fun time with the old farm shows there on WITY Radio down here in Danville. Uh, So that's uh, continuing to be a lot of my uh, life here without sports, but also uh, enjoying uh, uh, our uh, boys at the Chicago Wildfire coming back. Uh, they'll have their season starting up in July. It'll be a, a very fragmented season. But every Tuesday night, uh, you can follow us for uh, Tea Time with the Chicago Wildfire, which is basically keeping me out of trouble one night a week. All right. Well, between the farming shows and sifting through all that manure, give me one guy who uh, who's taking the checkers uh, Sunday. Uh, give me Harvick. Give me Harvick. Um, I will take Harvick until further notice. Um, He's just on a roll where he's been super consistent. The team hasn't been making any mistakes, and the team isn't trying anything shady, so they're getting through tech, so they're not having to start in the back. All right, I like it. I I tend tend to agree with that pick. Uh, I tell you what, let's take a quick break now. When we come back, Jeff and I will be back. We'll talk a little more NASCAR. Till the end of the hour, coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show, Steve Zotke, along with the Polish Pipeline, Jeff Verlosky. And, uh, Jeff, we had a, a qualifying at Bristol, or or did we? Yeah, you know, for the 600, and then, uh, you know, all these other races, there's no qualifying. And my problem with that is they do a random draw 
for the top 12 uh, drivers, and they start in positions 1 through 12, depending on what number they pick, and then they've got different criteria to set the rest of the field. I just wish they would do random draw throughout the whole field. If you're going to sit there, and especially on a Sunday where the races are longer, I can understand, you know, and I understand you want to give a benefit to the guys who are leading in the points and all that, and that's all the big-name guys, and you want to sit there and and promote your stars uh, and have them running near the front as, as much as you can. But to me, I think if they randomize the entire field, not only would you be sitting there and giving more chances to uh, some of the, you know, the up and coming drivers and, and get them some, uh, some airtime uh, to help build their name. You also would get eyes on the different sponsors on those cars. So I think, you know, a lot of the days are over of, uh, you know, Target and Lowe's and, you know, the a lot of big-name companies have pulled out of major sponsorship in NASCAR. You need to reward as many of these companies that are still writing these checks as possible. And granted, the checks aren't as big as they used to, but if I know that I could throw on, you know, pipe bomb plumbing onto, uh, you know, Garrett Smithley's car, and at least once in the race without, you know, say he doesn't crash at least once I'm going to get on TV and the entire world is going to see pipe bomb plumbing. Uh, I, I think that might be a good investment. Yeah. There's almost a dozen cars that don't have sponsorship for this race coming up in, in, in Bristol uh, on Sunday. And it's kind of disturbing. And I, plus the other thing I mean, if you have uh, Gray Galding and Joey Gase on the front row, I mean, I, I think there's going to be a percentage of people that, that are at least going to tune into the start of the race just to see that, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, not only does it, uh, you know, help, obviously, you would, in, in your example, it would help Gase and Galding um, because, you know, people would actually know who the hell they are. Uh, it would sit there and... The, the entire first stage would be nonstop action. If you sit there and, and you completely randomize the field, you got Gase and Galding on the front row, you got Harvick and Kyle Busch in the, on the last row, you know, they're going to be coming like gangbusters throughout that field. And the first stage, you know, pretty much in total would be completely just, you know, action packed, phenomenal to watch. So I think, you know, yes, it's kind of a, you know, a, a gimmick with the way they're doing it with no practice, no qualifying now. And I think uh, you might as well go the, go the full way and, you know, create as much artificial drama as you can. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, you look back at 1994, uh, you know, when Loy Allen Jr. got the pole, that that in itself was a story because he was an unknown. Nobody really knew who he was. And, I mean, the insiders and that knew who knew the story and that. But, I mean, the, the public as in general didn't know who Loy Allen was. And that turned out to be a storyline. What is this kid going to do? He's starting the biggest stock car race in the world. You know, is, there, is he going to be able to do it? There's concern. 
you know, having a rookie on the start. So, I mean, you know, there's a, you, you can definitely have a storyline having kind of an unknown, and it, it might be cause people to tune in. So, very interesting Jeff uh, stuff, Jeff. And we certainly appreciate your input and looking forward to chatting with you again next week. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. It's always fun. Uh, give me uh, – I'm going to take Stenhouse for the win on Sunday. Oh, my. Have you been drinking? Uh, a little bit, but I won't tell you what. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I, I know he's a uh, restrictor plate specialist. Now he goes to the second shortest track on the NASCAR circuit. But what the hell, give me Ricky Stenhouse. I'll take Ryan Blaney. Yeah, that's a good Ryan pick. Ryan Blaney's been very, very consistent as of late, and he's going to have to win sooner or later. Uh, I, yeah, I do have a really cool show stat. show off that glorious hair of his on, uh, on TV. The track race record was set on July 11, 1971, two hours and 38 minutes, set by the great Charlie Glotzbach, who is still around at 81 years old. And uh, I just thought that's a cool stat. I love it when records just stay forever, and uh, that's a good one at Bristol. So Charlie Glotzbach, your race record uh, holder uh, for back way back in 1971. So I kind of smiled when I saw that. So... Uh, should be a fun race. Looking forward to it. You got to tune in to FS1 because uh, Fox wanted to show an old NFL game that we know who won. So uh, let's hope you have cable and watch the race uh, tomorrow. Jeff, thank you as always. Appreciate it. We will chat again next week. Sounds good. Have a great weekend, Steve. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.